You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. Metro Detroit's housing model is not designed to meet the needs and demands of many residents in the 21st century. That's what freelance reporter Patrick Dunn found in one of his recent articles published on the Metro Mode website. What's the reason for Southeast Michigan's so-called missing middle housing market? What does it mean for our changing lifestyles in Metro Detroit? And are we seeing a parallel problem with housing affordability? Joining me now to talk about it is Patrick Dunn, a freelance journalist, and Shannon Morgan, a developer, senior vice president of Farmington Hills-based HRS Communities and a member of the nonprofit Urban Land Institute of Michigan. Guys, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, let's start with you. uh, Talk about this article you wrote, uh, define the missing middle that you're talking about. Sure. So this uh, term was coined in 2010 by a California architect, uh, Daniel Paralek, and basically it describes any housing types that fall between a detached single family home and a larger uh, high rise style apartment building. Um, If you look at the U.S. Census data, it's pretty clear that there's not a lot in between these two types nationwide. Um, Last year's uh, census data shows that 648,000 single-family homes and 320,000 multifamily units were completed nationwide. 99% of those multifamily units were conventional apartments, and 45% of them were in buildings with 50 units or more. Uh, So you're looking at a pretty big divide here, uh, and uh, there's not a lot in between uh, in terms of duplexes, triplexes, um, apartment courts, townhomes, all these kind of things, whether you're looking at Detroit or elsewhere. And is that a function, That's not, not your, your premise is that's not a function of demand. I mean, that there is demand for these things, there's, the market's just not responding to it. Yes, yeah, and it's due to kind of an obsolete mindset uh, that goes back to uh, post-World War II kind of mentality, actually, which Shannon addresses when I chatted with her for this article. Uh, yeah, Shannon, talk about the, that, uh, that obsolescence. Also, talk about how this relates to affordability, which is one of the things that I think is becoming a, a serious issue here in Detroit as uh, people have renewed interest in living in the city, uh, but the market hasn't sort of adjusted to that, to that interest yet. And it, it's, I hear from families all the time about how tough it is to get into the real estate market here in the city. Very difficult. And, you know, one statistic that many of the state agencies here in Michigan are publishing is that, you know, Michigan is leading the country for a number of single-family units. And, and, you know, um, certainly most of those units are becoming obsolete as they were built um, after World War II for a different generation. And, you know, the facts are that people are looking for a different lifestyle right now. Um, The millennials have now exceeded population statistics, um, they choose place first. Uh, they're looking to for a vibrant downtown or core that's walkable, that's got access to entertainment. Uh, they look for that first and they're looking for housing to fit that. Oftentimes they're, you know, they're emerging into the business sector. They're, st- you know, they're in starter jobs. They, they have a lot of student debt. So, you know, not only are they looking for a different type of housing, uh, 
unit altogether, uh, but but they're looking for that lifestyle lifestyle experience, and they have limited funds. Yeah. And we're seeing this this sector emerge. And as you see developments that are really really thriving in downtowns, not only throughout downtown and midtown, which is just the the demand is unbelievable, but in you know Ann Arbor, Royal Oak, Ferndale. Uh, even the Birmingham's, Plymouth, Norfolk, anything that has a core with these type of assets, the real estate by far, the numbers are there. This real estate is often three times higher in value um, than than other other areas in real estate. So you know, certainly this this sector is now upon us, yeah. and and the demand demand is unbelievable. So so how do we how do we get the supply to meet the demand? The, you know, the supply is certainly working with municipalities that have zoning and um, opportunities that allow for these type of developments. There's still some archaic planning initiatives and zoning initiatives that make uh, this type of development much more difficult. Um, and, and certainly looking for developers that have the creativity to look at the demographic. Um, many of our, our builders, believe it or not, still have the mindset, if, if we build it, they will come. Or, you know, we're going to build suburban central with these massive single-family housing. Um, you know, it's, it's reaching out to these populations and, and, and building these. And as I said, these type of communities, these type of developments, by far are the first to sell. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Dunn, uh, your article talks about the increase in demand for multi-generational families, which is not just a, a change in the way that sort of cities uh, are, are, are in demand at this point. It, it marks a cultural change uh, to some degree. Sure. Well, and it also ties into an, an interesting trend here. We hear more and more about millennials, of course, as Shannon mentioned, uh, looking for these type of developments and these type of vibrant downtowns. But uh, you can also uh, trace a bit of a budding trend with uh, their parents kind of looking for similar arrangements as well, looking for smaller homes and often more of that walkable urban lifestyle. And uh just due to some of the economic realities of <laughs> recent years, um, there's also a traceable trend in those two groups uh, more than ever in a long time wanting to move in together. So, um, you know, we hear a lot about millennials living in their parents' basements, but there's also a, a traceable trend of parents moving in with children as well. And when you have that overlap between those two desires, um, you know, you're looking at even more potential demand for this right. type of housing. Right. Uh, the affordability question is the one that I think is is pretty poignant here in Detroit. How do you start to sort of address that? Is it is it just more supply will make it more affordable, or are there other things? Supply would certainly help. I mean, it was interesting uh, talking to Robin Boyle, who's an urban planning professor professor over at Wayne State for this article, and he was saying, you know, he still can't point to. Uh, a particularly successful recent development along these lines in the metro area. He was saying, you know, there are examples in Detroit, but, you know, usually you're looking at a pretty luxury product in a very prime location that winds up not really addressing the cost issue that this missing middle housing is uh, needed to address in the first place. Uh, are there other cities that are doing better with this that we ought to be looking at? Hmm. 
I'll throw that to Shannon. Go ahead, Shannon. Certainly, <laughs> there's cities throughout the country that you're seeing a much more di- diverse and robust um, mix of incomes, mix of products, and, and their success is proven. And there are certainly rules and models for us to follow here. We're seeing it happen more amongst many state initiatives. You know, so certainly we're looking for, and, and for, from the development perspective, it's much easier to build something that's either subsidized or build something at market because the numbers are there. Um, but the focus remains on this diversity in, in the middle product, not only from the unit perspective, but also from the income perspective. And we're actually working on a, a few new projects um, of workforce housing components that will fit that that middle income tier. And that, I think, is going to be very successful moving forward. And you're doing that in the city of Detroit or just in the region? We're doing that in the region. Yeah. We've done that in the city of Detroit before. Yeah. We, you're going to see many more models in the future for that to follow with some of the Bar- Brush Park and other initiatives that are in place right now. Right. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot of policy um, at the local level start to change to support this. Um. Uh, you mentioned Brush Park, uh, and we've only got a minute left, but I mean, uh, at least on the, on the drawing board, that seems like the sort of ideal of mix that you are talking about it, here, right? Exactly. When you start to look at even Washington, D.C., things that are happening throughout Virginia, Boston, Pittsburgh, those type of areas, you see fairly robust developments that have all income level, all product level. So it's not uncommon to have something that's sub- subsidized next to a multi-million dollar unit. Right. And when you start to see um, the type of place management initiatives that are happening here, even in downtown through the midtown, you're going to see that carry over into, you know, areas like you see now Corktown and those areas thriving. Um, this Brush Park initiative is what we need to focus more on yeah. from, from a planning and policy perspective. Okay. Patrick Dunn, freelance journalist, uh, written an article about the missing middle for Metro Mode. And Shannon Morgan, developer, senior vice president of Farmington Hills-based HRS Communities and a member of the nonprofit Urban Land Institute of Michigan. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. Thank you. It's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. See you tomorrow.